0: It's Nicole and Tara here, where we hope to inspire you every week with a new discussion topic in the Catholic faith. So keep listening to our latest episode of The Cravert Chronicles. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Cravert Chronicles. Tara, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing really well. Um, trying to get through the week and remaining positive. It's been a very, as you know, it's been a very busy week for me and there's a lot going on. So just kind yeah. of keeping my head above water. What about you?
0: <laughs> I am good. Just got off of a nice evening with friends, trying to be positive. You know, I really feel like happiness and joy and those we surround ourselves with really affects us You know, Mm -hmm. after we're kind of like on a high almost after you spend time with people, you know, depending on whatever they're exerting, you kind of bring that home with you.
1: Right.
0: (laughs) Speaking of happiness. (laughs) (laughs) Huh. Yes. So we actually Tara mainly, she found this really interesting article from the Catholic Mm -hmm. Education Resource Center talking about the different levels of happiness and what that means as a Catholic uh-huh. and going another step further, we're going to talk about what's the difference between happiness and joyfulness, because I think a lot of time they're used interchangeably, but there's actually some grave differences there that uh-huh. we gonna cover. So jumping right in, Tara, mm-hmm. tell us about some of these levels of happiness and we'll kind of go from there.
1: I just want to start by saying if anyone is interested in going a little bit deeper with this, I initially was inspired um, just because I'm always thinking about this idea of happiness and I had been watching uh, a documentary on the Formed app, if anyone has that. Nicole, you introduced that to me. And um, the Magis Center, they are the ones that put out this documentary on happiness. And that's how I found out about these four degrees or levels of happiness. Just to jump back a little bit, I think what everyone is going to see is that these cultural, the cultural view of happiness the modern view of happiness, at least from what I can tell, is very different than these different levels of happiness that I um, was reading about. So just to kind of throw out a few different ideas of this cultural view of happiness comes down to really just things that we can do for, for ourselves to make ourselves feel happy, exercising and meditation and things like decluttering and some of the stuff related to minimalism that we talked about last week. There's nothing inherently, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with exercising or meditating. And these are really good things. But for, at least for me personally, when my focus on happiness was really just about myself and very self-centered and and what I could do to make myself purely happy, I was ignoring Other people around me, and I wasn't considering anyone else. It was just purely how do I get myself to a place of feeling just better, good? Um, Actually, Nicole, let me just ask you have you felt that way? I mean, in your past or even recently, do you feel like you get stuck in these cultural views of happiness? Yeah, I I honestly
0: think happiness a lot of the time can also feel very tangible. Mm -hmm. And In my experience, and not that I'm trying to sound like I'm materialistic or shallow, I'll get excited if I find like a new shirt that I wanna buy or a new pair of shoes or something new and exciting that I can't wait to bring home and wear and incorporate into my lifestyle. I think that happiness though, if you're looking at it culturally too, you have to look at so many different factors that could really affect Different people's versions of happiness. I mean, if you're looking at socioeconomic status, what can cause happiness? And if a child doesn't really grow up with a lot, having a full meal or shoes to wear or a backpack for school, that can generate happiness. Whereas, you know, the things like exercise and meditation and more of the leisurely activities is Uh a different level of happiness that I feel not everybody might associate as happy and just part of life yeah. uh, that's kind of what's coming to my mind right now but I think so like you're saying it is very self-serving yeah and we're always searching we want to be happy we want to be in a constant state of happiness uh-huh. and that's not necessarily a good thing I because you can't be happy all the time because that's when it becomes creepy yes happy is not
1: (laughs) i i like that you mentioned because it actually just made me think as well when i'm talking about a cultural view of happiness i'm talking like the culture in which i am accustomed to because you mentioned happiness and what that looks like for different people and that is so so important to point out to everyone but yes having said that even though it's okay to i guess feel these temporary moments of happiness i suppose with buying a shirt or or something like that it goes a lot deeper and i think that we are always going to be seeking something more which really leads then into these four levels of happiness and you actually just kind of described the first level which. Really talks about how happiness at level one is very short lived and it relates to something like, for example, the happiness you get from seeing ice cream and eating it and then getting over it basically the moment you're done. It's just so temporary and it's very simple. It's simple.
0: Yeah. And I think with food being the most basic necessity. What's the basic level of food that we need to survive? And then you're looking at gluttony and how people will then overindulge on things because they might be emotional eaters. I'm not saying like happiness causes people to gain weight or or emotionally eat because this isn't only related to food, but it makes me think about that because If people are constantly searching for happiness. You might be subconsciously doing it through this kind of happiness search. Just that short lived when people turn to food when they're depressed. The the stereotypical like a girl was broken up with by her boyfriend and she's like seen on the couch eating a pint of Ben and Jerry's Like, like, that's gonna help her become happy. No. I mean, if anything, it's just wallowing in your sorrow. You're just Enjoying some ice cream at the same time. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, those moments for me, and it's funny because I automatically think of food for this level one happiness because yeah. that is exactly what I go to when I'm looking for something to just boost, you know, I don't know, my energy level or just make me feel a little bit happier temporarily. And I don't think I even notice half the time. How I'm really feeling. You know, it, it's one thing to really connect with what you're feeling and to know what you're doing. But for many people, we just sort of mindlessly are at this level one and we don't even realize that we're grabbing for the food or we're, or we're doing all of this shopping or, or we're, we're looking for these level one bits of happiness because they're so immediate. And we just get this immediate like surge and it's just a very good feeling. But again, it's just, it's temporary. It's very short lived.
0: I feel like. This one alone just describes Italian people to a T. <laughs> like, like we associate food with joy and that's that. Like yes. that's it. Food becomes emotional very fast. Like how many people do you see getting hangry about stuff? Like oh, that's yeah. that's no joke. No. When that's- people get hangry, it's like uh uh. Give them what they need, they'll be happy
1: for like two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I know that's my husband. I'm like, okay, we're in that mood again. I'm gonna leave. It's really alarming to see when people get
0: hangry. Yes, I, listen, I'm I love food just as much as the next person. Like, I love cooking it. I love feeding people with it. But I mean, oh my gosh, I've been around some real hangry people before, and it is it's intense. It's alarming. It is very intense. <laughs> not that that's related to happiness just the opposite of happiness but you know
1: as it relates to food yeah. yes <laughs> so, <laughs> believe me i know like i said i am married to someone that's hangry perpetually hangry so oh my um, <laughs> god bless you <laughs> thank you thank you I need that. just pray for me okay do. <laughs> and maybe pray for him also <laughs>
0: yes we'll pray for ben to get over his hangriness
1: yeah so just to play off of that and go a step further, there's this level two uh, part of happiness. And in some ways it reminds me of level one, but the 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 happiness received or the joy received can last a little bit longer. So the examples for level two are like your education or your job and, and finding joy in healthy competitions. So it just reminds me so much of, my early 20s and late teens when I felt like I was starting to kind of come into my identity. And I remember that for me, my identity was very much so my career and my profession and my schooling. And I really felt like that was it. Once I reach this level of, you know, once I get my master's degree and then I get this license and then I do this, then I'm going to be so happy. And Once all of that happened, I I wasn't so happy, but that's kind of what this level two is. And the way that it's different, I guess, from level one, like I kind of said, is it's short-lived a little bit, but the effects can last a long time. So for many people, our jobs or our education, all of that in level two could certainly benefit our futures. So. Unlike the ice cream, for example, which is going to make me happy in the moment, level two kind of stuff, it could potentially last a little bit longer. The benefits could be seen in the future.
0: Yeah, and that reminds me. So you're talking about teens, college time, getting a career. I think it could even go into like elementary, middle school age, because when kids Mm -hmm. start getting a sense of the kind of student they are in school, I think that really drives their happiness because how many kids have you seen if they don't do well in a class or on a test and then they kind of spiral or they might struggle in multiple classes because they just have it in their head that they're worthless and like they're unhappy they're not doing well that they're having like your parents guidance counselors their peers all around them kind of upholding this expectation Mm -hmm. of being Mm -hmm. so successful very early on and I know when I was younger, how many kids were getting involved in, you know, honors classes and what a big deal that was. And I feel like now it's even more emphasized. These kids are run down like crazy with all kinds of assignments extracurricular activities and you had mentioned it being like a happy healthy kind of competition but I think if you really are trying to suck every bit of happiness out of these things winning a trophy for something might feel good for a little while but after a while that novelty really wears off Uh and that's kind of what I thought of because I remember getting a good grade on a test and I'd feel like I was on top of the world for like two days <laughs> and yeah then that's it and then flash forward to when I was applying for jobs at a college and I'm thinking yeah I'm gonna get this I'm gonna get this and then you don't get it and then suddenly your whole world stops yeah we just derive so much emotion from <laughs> these events in our lives and the amount of happiness it brings us I feel is far less than the amount of disappointment we get too
1: Right, right. I agree. That's such a good way to put it because I think too, especially when you mentioned middle school, I was thinking about all of that competition and, you know, everything about SATs and just testing. And, and there was a real sense, at least for me, where I, in a lot of ways, didn't feel like I was worthy or good enough. If I didn't match up to whatever this picture of whoever i was supposed to be was and that can be very 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 harmful and it's taken me many years to work through some of the i guess the wounds from that but i could definitely see how somebody could get therefore they could get stuck in that level two sort of way of living and always striving for almost like the next high, you know? So like you said, uh, you know, you remember getting an A on a test and it lasted for like two days and that was the end of it. I think the same when I look back at my pictures from my graduations and my degrees and it's it's not, I don't even relate to it in the same way. And it's almost, I I feel kind of bad saying that out loud because it almost feels like (laughs) I, t- I took that for granted, and but it really it's not intentional. I just don't care about it in the same way that I had, and it's 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 temporary. On one hand, it's benefited me, right? Because now I'm I'm in a career that I enjoy, and I feel like I'm doing good. So in that way, it's good. But the real feeling from getting those degrees is far gone. It just doesn't even feel like it was in my lifetime. <laughs> you
0: know what's crazy though? Do you remember the buildup? before you graduated and how you felt and like that last leg of that semester before graduating thinking oh my gosh I'm gonna be so happy when I'm finally finished with this and we're we're like lying to ourselves I'm not lying I mean if you are gonna be happy with this this is a huge accomplishment graduating college but we're constantly thinking once I have this one thing then I'm gonna be happy that it, it was like when I was thinking about planning my wedding and all of that. Like, of, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy now in my marriage. But it was like this one thing held the key to yes.
1: happiness.
0: Yes. And they all live happily ever after. But no, yeah.
1: <laughs> that's you, not exactly. how life works. No. And you would think after years and years and years of feeling that same way about many things in life that you would start to realize that's not how it works. But it's a vicious <laughs> cycle. It is. It's a very vicious cycle. I'm in it right now. I mean, I'm. <laughs> we're talking about like you know this, but building a home and purchasing yes. land. And I'm literally, like, oh cool. Once I get this home, and I have my little garden, and blah 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 blah, then I'm gonna be so happy. And I know that is not true, but I still am very. We lie, to, our,
0: we, we lie to ourselves, and I mean, and I don't want to sound super sinister here, but I have to play no pun intended devil's advocate. Okay, Because I'm noticing, though, everything we're talking about so far in these levels of happiness, Mm -hmm. it's all relating to something physical, if -hmm. you've noticed. Like food is something physical. A diploma is something physical. A house is something physical. We are associating happiness derived from this thing because we are telling ourselves, and sometimes it can be the bad guy mr satan (laughs) telling us oh you aren't gonna be happy until you have what this other person has which is you know a degree from this school you need to have a degree from the school okay so once you go there it's like oh well now you need like the good job that goes with it or now you need the house like we're always gonna be wanting more right and desiring something more and I don't want to confuse this with the whole idea of setting goals and having life dreams. I think right. this is more so you're putting so much pressure and weight onto something to yeah. give you what it really can't just automatically give you all the happiness in the world once you obtain right. this thing.
1: Right. Well, and that's why it's important when we talk about on this level two healthy competition, because kind of like you're saying, there is an aspect of needing to be at this level two point in order to progress to different parts of your life, right? I mean, there's, there is some kind of purpose to the tests that we're taking and the degrees that we may or, you know, we may be getting or just whatever it is that relates to this level two, it all serves a purpose. But like you're saying, it's one thing to use it to, to better yourself. And and it's okay that there's these moments of, of happiness when you get them. Great. Good for you. You got a, a degree and you're happy. You should be wonderful. But if you're focusing so much on it and you're constantly trying to just, just obtain that level of happiness through those physical kind of materialistic means all the time, I think that's where the problem comes in. And I think that that's not going to from what I'm reading and from what, can I, what I can tell, that's not going to lead us to ultimate happiness because ultimate happiness, if you want to call it that, is so much more than level one and level two. It's so much more than that.
0: So I guess jumping in, so that brings us to the third uh-huh. level. And I'm just going to read it here because I can't explain it as well as you can. The happiness that comes from seeing good in others and doing good for other people. So I think this is and just my automatic reaction to this is that sense of, I guess, self-actualization of knowing that you've done something for somebody or knowing that you can recognize and discern something good in somebody else. So this one, though, is interesting because it kind of if you think about it, it kind of goes against the level two concept where they're kind of at battle with each other, because on the one hand, level two, we were just talking about that healthy competition and something like a job performing at your work or in school, whereas one can't be at the same time in competition with somebody else and doing good for and seeing good in them at the same time.
1: Right. So,
0: how are you gonna be so like cutthroat and like, oh, I'm gonna crush this kid in the spelling bee and then say, oh, I'm gonna throw the spelling bee because I wanna do this for this person? No, we don't, nobody thinks like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't make sense. But if you think about it though, I think this level, going up one level, so this level three, you're kind of becoming the bigger individual here. Mm -hmm. Where you want to do something for somebody else at the end of the day. And I think this also brings more of like a Christian element in. Because, you know, a big part of Christianity is loving other people and making sacrifices for other people. And I think this brings that out more as opposed to competing with other people to achieve something and have a gain of some sort. Where this isn't really as self-serving as the other two ones we talked about.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that this level, level three, is in essence where there's a major shift. So like you're saying in the first two, we're really focusing on ourselves and how we can make ourselves happy. And level three is a complete shift and we regard and care for other people, I guess in some ways more than ourselves. And the other half of that is really it's seeing good in others right so it's one thing to do good for other people and there's many ways that we can do that but i think one of the things that i'm learning as i read into this more is that we can start to see good in others even when it becomes very difficult for us so i'm thinking of just situations at my job and at work where you know maybe a lot of people are gossiping about others and instead of choosing to participate in that you can really kind of shift the narrative and have a more positive view and look at the the good things about someone even if it's a hard thing to do And I think that if you have, you're really shifting the way that your brain is thinking and it starts to pull you away from being so consumed with yourself and your own happiness it just it paves the way for that final level it paves the way for just getting outside of this materialistic sort of, self-centered world that we live in and in order to get to that level four I think you really kind of have to hit this level three that we're talking about
0: when you're talking about gossiping too I feel like gossiping it's a very twisted kind of concept because you're thinking someone might say they care enough about a person to be talking about them right yeah but in reality, usually if somebody's gossiping or saying something false about somebody else, they're mm-hmm. really looking at their own unhappiness and mm-hmm. trying to highlight somebody else's. Now, I'm not saying if you're talking about somebody, you're, you're always talking about something bad about them. I think when we focus our energy on other people and their business versus ours, it still has that competition yeah. kind of feel to it because... You're talking about somebody. You might be thinking, "Oh, well, she's doing all of this stuff, and you know, she she had to pick up a second shift for her job." And you're thinking, "Okay, well, what are you doing? (laughs) How how does this relate to you? Why do you feel the need to highlight this aspect of this person's life?" Uh, But I think when you start trying to live your life thinking the way Jesus might think. And how he wants us to love each other unconditionally. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, though, you can't fully represent that one thing to this person. I think immediately about just being married and how yeah. I want to give everything for my husband. Like I want to sacrifice as much as I can for him. And I know he wants to do the same for me. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I still can't fulfill the happiness that God can give him yeah. yeah, and vice versa. I mean, we he can make me so happy. I can make him so happy, but we'll always fall short mm-hmm. of that ultimate level that you're going to talk about.
1: Right, right. And that's, yeah, I was going to say, that's actually a perfect lead-in to level four because level four, <laughs> it's a harder one to describe but basically, it's this ultimate culmination of happiness. And it's basically understanding, it's more than understanding, but just in layman's terms, it's understanding that there's this larger universe, right? We're We're kind of transcending above um, just the world in which we live. And it's it's really understanding that there is a God and that He loves us, he's a loving God, and he wants the best for us. And I think that this level, yes, we're going to put in the work to get to this level, but I think part of it too is through God's graces. I think that that's, I'm even noticing in my own life that by the grace of God, I've been able to get through some of these levels. And there's just been this hunger and this desire for more. And then you eventually, at least in my case, reach a point where there's just so much, you realize there's so much more out there, right? And again, I'm a convert. So it, it came to realizing, oh, there is a God and he is loving. And and it's so much deeper and richer than I had originally thought. And for me, that's what this fourth level is. It's just an overwhelming feeling, really. If you think
0: about any recounts that people have had that have had visions of heaven or of a saint or of Jesus himself or Mary, there's always this common theme of there being an indescribable feeling of overwhelming, overflowing joy. Mm -hmm. And we can't, when I say we, us as human beings, we can't even possibly describe or understand how much of this level of happiness and joy and light that God is we only understand it from an earthly level and Mm -hmm. from our own imagination and what we can try to perceive but a lot of the time we won't ever fully know this feeling I mean of course when you're praying or if you're in a deep relationship with God you get snippets here and there of this joy and this fulfillment but I I honestly think we won't ever fully know what this is until, yeah, the, the day we we meet our creator, and yeah. and that's just something that's it's like the beauty of this mystery here, right. and God is withholding things from us because now it's just not the time for us to experience it. Now I know that sounds like well, why shouldn't we experience happiness? I think there's there are different types of happiness from a worldly like human experience versus that if you die like your soul experiences happiness differently from your human okay i guess if that makes sense and that's just that's me thinking about this because our soul it's a part of who we are and i think there are things there are moments in life that do touch us in our soul (laughs) and they are very special monumental things that might do that. But as far as your basic everyday levels, one, two, and three, that's pretty much what we're experiencing on the daily. And it's kind of exciting to know that there is something additional to look forward to and knowing all the joy and light that God is yes to, give to us and he wants us to seek him for that
1: right yeah I, that's a very good way to put it I think as you were talking I was thinking a little bit too about just uh especially with this level four, the idea of suffering mm-hmm. because in our life obviously we are confronted with challenges um, really difficult situations certainly you know some of us have the suffered immensely and i guess i feel like suffering when we reach level 4 although it can be challenging and it can be difficult we're really finding ways to to cope with it and to find meaning in it and to just move forward and find purpose so even though it's difficult and it's challenging we're able to See beyond that, or we at least try to. One of the the tougher things I can't speak for everyone, but as you know, not being a Catholic, I have a friend who I mentioned her before, but she's atheist. And one of the things that she said keeps her from being Catholic is this idea of suffering. And I've heard that many, many, many times. And it's interesting because I, I the church explains that, but I I just see it in a very different way and this example of this level four just transcendence and and moving above ourselves really for me suffering plays a role in that and and i think that happiness isn't always going to look like what we think it's going to look like and if we believe that god has a plan and there's a reason for all of this how jesus suffered we can start to make some connections and find some purpose and meaning if that makes sense
0: yes and i think as you're talking about what happiness might look like, it kind of goes back to the illusions that we're kind of given sometimes. Or, you know, when people are posting things on social media and it seems like these people are always happy. They're always doing something happy. There never seems to be problems or suffering in their life. And we, some, we know for a fact that's not the whole picture, but we're still choosing to believe that. And wanting to compare ourselves and strive for the same levels of happiness and that sense of competition sort of comes into play I think that it then poses the question of quickly what we wanted to touch on is what is the difference between joy Mm -hmm. and happiness because we had been talking about this before we started recording today and I feel like happiness can come off more, it's more emotional. It's like a facade in a way. I'm not saying all happiness is a facade, but it's easy to use happiness as a mask.
1: It feels more superficial, the word happiness to me compared to just, yes. And
0: if you think about it, So we had pulled an article from Catholic Exchange, and it's like super old, from like 2004. (laughs) Um, It's called The Difference Between Joy and Happiness. And it says in there, the antonym of happiness is sadness. But the antonym of joy is sorrow, which I thought that was so interesting because it goes back to look at the mysteries of the Holy Rosary. Mm-hmm. They're not called the happiness mysteries or the sadness mysteries. <laughs> it's yeah. the joyful and the sorrowful mysteries. And, you know, I feel like joy, it's a, it goes deeper and it also plays into that level four version of happiness that we were talking about where it runs deeper. It's like a piece and it's almost brought onto you from like the Holy Spirit. And it still is lasting there, despite that suffering. And it's sort of a way to help you cope, like you were just touching on before.
1: It's funny because I hadn't initially thought of the difference between filling this idea of joy and this connection that you made between the joyful mysteries and the sorrowful mysteries. It just it feels more full. It feels I don't know. it, It it feels more full, and I actually kind of wish that these four levels of happiness were. Like the two to three levels of happiness and the one level of joy, because it just feels like that fourth level is more than just this idea of happiness. I think happiness feels like that word is still watered down because it's used so much. And I'm thinking of just even the past decade, how many books have come out about happiness and how we can obtain it. And, and it just feels a little more hollow than joy. Joy is a word that to me has been affiliated with the Catholic Church for a long time. I hear people use that word a lot. And for a long time, I didn't understand it, but it's beyond words. I can't actually explain it, but it's a very full, meaningful word. And and I like that a lot better than happiness.
0: Well, Also, when you're looking at joy and going back to the joyful mysteries and the rosary, the events that took place, I feel created a much more lasting kind of joy and event. So when Mary was told she was going to give birth to a son who was the son of God. She didn't just eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream and that joy would go away in two seconds. <laughs> like, can you imagine the level of joy and having the angel Gabriel telling her, hail, full of grace. Yeah. These words, like, there's there's so much more deeper meaning to it. And I think that the fact that they went to say these are joyful mysteries shows
1: yes. the, the
0: deeper, how much more deeply run the importance of these events are now looking looking at the sorrowful mysteries versus sadness you know jesus being crucified yeah that's not just sad that's a sorrowful thing but it runs so much more deeper than that and i think it emphasizes the importance of these events in Jesus and Mary's life when you're looking at it for, from the mysteries point of view anyway.
1: I think it's it's funny because I think this conversation can go on for a very long time. and yes, I usually do. Yeah. <laughs> for good reason, especially something like happiness. And maybe this is a topic that at some point we get back to again, because I think that just as humans, we are always searching for meaning and and yes. happiness, which I know I keep saying that word, but that's what this episode is about. But we're always searching <laughs> for that, so it's. I think that this is not going away anytime soon, and uh, we may have to touch back on this again at some point as we learn more about it. Yes. Well, to close with this, I do want to read
0: um, this excerpt from the article because references Mm -hmm. the catechism so it says the catechism discusses the nature of joy and happiness in paragraph 1723 it teaches us that true happiness is not found in riches or well-being in human fame or power or any human achievement or indeed in any creature but in god alone the source of every good and of all love so basically this is a temporal happiness but it's not enough to satisfy us. So I think ultimately in summation, happiness is not something that will ever fully satisfy Mm -hmm. us as human beings, because we're always gonna be longing for the joy that God has for Mm -hmm. us to fulfill us. And I think we could safely say that out of the levels of happiness that we had looked at, level four, even though it's, you know, perfection of happiness, I feel like that can be changed to just joyfulness, reaching a state of ultimate joy in one's life. Because I don't think everybody can easily say that they are truly joyful versus happy every day. I think I think it's a really powerful statement to admit, are you happy? Or are you joyful? Yeah. Maybe maybe we can kind of close with that question for our listeners. Think about it. Are you happy or are you joyful? And I feel like even though the topic is happiness and joyfulness, it sounds more depressing (laughs) because we have just broken it down and probably making your head hurt. But I love these kinds of topics and maybe it's the nerds in both of us with the psychology background that we like to really dig deep into the human mind and how we think about things and how you can kind of change your way of thinking and relating it to how God might want us to look at something because it's just it's amazing how you can learn something new every day. And I feel like every time we have a conversation like this, it just. I feel so inspired. Like I've learned something new, even though this is something that I feel like has been in front of me for so long.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is a good topic. I'm glad we talked about it. Well,
0: we're going to close with a very quick prayer and then we will be on our way All right. in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for bringing Tara and I together today to talk to our listeners about our findings on happiness and what those different levels of happiness mean, looking at it from a worldly perspective, our, our limited human experience, and then comparing it to the joy that you have for us, the infinite love and joy that you bring to us and your presence every day, help us to strive to experience that joy in many ways that we can and I think that it's safe to say, even if we aren't feeling it fully, we can choose to find the joy in every day. So with closing, um, in Jesus's name, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone.
1: Bye, everyone. Have a good rest of your week.